Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Thank you for joining us again this week on the program. I trust you're being blessed by the Word of God that's coming forth from this ministry. We want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart for your support to us and uh, you know your calls, letters, and uh, thank you because they've been overwhelmingly positive as many of you have responded saying it may be different than what we've heard but it makes so much sense. Uh, to me I believe that uh, you know that the Word of God is not as difficult as we've made it to be especially when we read it in context. We've been teaching now for 50 some weeks from the book of Revelation and if you've missed any of it you can go back to our YouTube page and everything we have aired to date is archived there and you can watch them at your convenience. Uh, simply go to YouTube and Google my name or that you might have life and our program channel will come up and you can watch it. Tell your friends about that who cannot get the church channel and uh, you know uh, we, we're literally building a worldwide audience with that and uh, people are watching us from around the globe. Uh, I believe you'll be blessed by that. Also, you can sign up for our I, our podcast. Go to iTunes, sign up for the podcast, uh, and the uh, audio of these programs will be delivered uh, immediately uh, to your uh, your, your device, your iPhone or your pod, uh, your iPod, whatever, your iPad, and you can get them delivered there where you can listen to the audio and be blessed by it. We are making it available on so many different levels uh, that I believe it will be a blessing to you. Uh, your faithful giving is what enables us to keep on doing this. And so, uh, you know, if you can uh, afford to help us, we deeply, deeply appreciate it because we really do need your help. I want to get back into the Word today and uh, begin to uh, uh, unfold a little bit further. We, in the last two segments, dealt with how that all of these signs that Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 uh, directly and exactly fit together with the things that happen in Revelation chapter 6. Uh, we, believe, we, we, we believe that, you know, uh, if you would lay Revelation chapter 6 along beside of Matthew 24, Mark chapter 13 and Luke 21, which are the three places in the three synoptic gospels that uh, are giving uh, the Olivet Discourse in Jesus' most dramatic prophecy of the end of the age and the uh, last days, and that, that again is not the last days of a global situation, but the last days of an era or an age, and specifically the age of the law. Uh, you could see that they perfectly fit together. And last week I showed you throughout the rest of the uh, New Testament how every one of those things that Jesus prophesied took place within the time slot of that generation. John is the only one of the four Gospels that does not have an Olivet Discourse. I told you in earlier programs that I believe that the book of Revelation is St. John's expanded uh, more elaborate version of the Olivet Discourse. It is the continuation or the expanding of that same dramatic prophecy that Jesus said would take place during that generation. And again, he tells them in Revelation 1, these things are about to shortly come to pass. They which pierce me will look upon me. Uh, all of these things, he said, shall, are, are, are about to shortly come to pass. Uh, behold, I come quickly. He tells Daniel, in the book of Daniel, 
seal up the words of your prophecy, for the time is for the time of the end. He tells John the Revelator, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So I admit, submit to you that Daniel's time of the end and the book of Revelation's time of the end is the exact same time. And we have gone over that several places throughout uh, the different programs that we've shared, especially over the last 10 weeks or so. And so you can get them there. I want to go into the fifth seal, if I can, and show you uh, what it's dealing with in the book of Revelation. In Revelation, the sixth chapter, it says, And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice say, Come and see. I'm sorry, let me skip on down. When he had op- this is verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto them, unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should not, that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now I'm only going to deal with this seal just for a little bit here uh, today on today's program. The prayer that's coming up from this seal is the prayer of martyrs. It is in fulfillment of when Jesus prophesied again in Matthew 24 and said, and they will deliver you up to be killed. And he tells them several places in the scripture. Uh, They persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. I believe that when we think about suffering, especially biblical suffering, that, uh, you know, we get confused uh, a lot of times that we think that if we're suffering with uh, cancer or we're suffering with sickness or we're suffering with something uh, like poverty or something like that, that that's part of what God, uh, you know, sends on us to perfect us. I I beg to differ with that. I, I don't believe that anything Jesus redeemed us from we have to experience again. So he redeemed us from sin, from sickness, from poverty, and from death. Those things we've been redeemed from. Uh, You say, well, don't you believe God can uh, use those things? Well, I believe while we're in anything, anything that we experience, God can use for our good. But to say he's the one that sent them, I believe is a grave error. But I do believe that there is a suffering that we have not been redeemed from. And that suffering is when men shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Now, I, I, I suggest to you uh, that when you look at the persecution that was upon these men and women of God during this early church, if I suggest you go read the book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you will see that there was a absolute uh, uh, immense amount of people that died for the cause of the gospel and still are around the globe. I don't want to diminish that by any stretch of the imagination. We've recently seen that even in Iraq with the onslaught of ISIS, that there are people being uh, persecuted and uh, being uh, put to death and being beheaded for the cause of Christ and for the cause of Christianity. Uh, But there is that suffering, and I believe that's what, (coughs) excuse me, I believe that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in Romans the 8th chapter when he said, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Because all creation 
is groaning and waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God because creation itself will be brought into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And I really begin to see that recently in the context that it was written that Paul and these guys are declaring to their generation, we are no longer under law. We are under grace. And as a result, there was a great persecution that was coming to them, not just from the Roman government alone. I mean, the Romans were killing people by the thousands in the arenas and, and putting them in the lion's den. But there was even a persecution that was coming from, uh, you know, uh, uh, ancient Judaism and from the rulers of the synagogue and the religious leaders that were beating these guys and letting them down over walls and baskets. And, you know, the things that you see happening that you know yourself, you've read throughout the scripture. I believe what Paul is saying is, hey, there's a few things, folks, that's worth dying for, and one of them is liberty. One of them is freedom. I would rather die free than I would to live bound. And I believe once these men tasted of the freedom that was in Christ, they tasted of the powers of the age to come. And I might just add while I'm here in saying that, that people probably hear us teaching uh, this fulfilled uh, uh, theology that this stuff is not in your future. And to some who teach that, they teach a message called what I call cessationism, which is the, uh, that, uh, that, that all of the gifts of the Spirit and tongues and, and uh, you know, the power, the miracles, all of that went out with the early apostles. I beg to differ with that. I'm, I, I'm, I don't believe that. Let me just say that for somebody that may be concerned to say, are you a cessationist? Do you believe that those things cease? No, I believe that when they were demonstrating them while Jesus was doing it and the disciples were doing that, and the dead were being raised, the sick were being healed, miracles were being performed. I mean, even from the bodies of Paul, pieces of cloth were taken. Great miracles were happening that the writer of the book of Hebrews said they tasted of the power of the age to come. So if the age to come was the age that we're living in right now, it certainly did not cease. They were only having the foretaste of what ought to be greater and greater and in a more perfect dimension and realm than it ever was. And I just say to you, I believe that because the kingdom of God is alive and well on planet earth, that we need to be demonstrating it, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, and seeing God bring some uh, easing of the suffering of the human condition through the church. That the scripture tells us that in the ages to come, God would make known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. So the vehicle that God, you know, uh, people say, well, brother, how's you know, I'm listening to you, but don't you know there's some very real problems in the world? To which I say, yes, my head is not uh, like an ostrich buried in the sand. There are some very real problems that are in the world to which I say that God has put a church in the earth and that church and his body are for the purpose of being able to see some of this stuff change. We're the salt. We're the light. We ought to be demonstrating the kingdom. We ought to be making, you know, when Jesus said, go and do all things that I commanded you, what he commanded was not a bunch of rules and regulations. He commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. That's the commands that I think some of us need to be following. Somebody said, well, you know, don't you think God is about to destroy America because of its sin? To which I reply, absolutely not. God is not destroying America. Americans are destroying America. And while God is standing back saying, are you ready yet to turn back to me? 
me because if you turn back to me, I'll deliver you from the results of all this stuff you're doing. I believe there does absolutely need to be a dramatic turnaround of things in this planet. But I believe we begin to lose our influence uh, about a couple hundred years ago when we moved away from a dominion type theology. We started losing our children and even the great institutions of education that were one time Christian have become so far liberal anymore that we, that they, I don't even know why they call them Christian colleges and Christian, uh, you know, uh, education places. But I believe there's a restoration coming. I believe the kingdom of God wants to invade television. I believe it wants to invade our businesses. I believe the kingdom of God wants to invade our entertainment world. I believe the kingdom of God wants to invade arts. I believe it wants to invade music. I believe it wants to invade because it has to, it is the leaven that is put in the lump until the whole thing is leavened. That's the kingdom of God. And that's what we're preaching is that we must advance the kingdom rather than relinquish this thing, throw up our hands and give up and say, well, we gave it our best shot, but God lost. No, I believe God is awakening a sleeping giant called the church with the gospel of the kingdom. And he's beginning to give us an understanding that even the grace of God and the message of grace that's so predominantly sweeping the earth today is not just a grace so you can get another car and some money to put in the bank for the next four or five years until God really gets mad and then just blows this planet up. No, I believe that the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness have been given to us so that we can reign in life by one Christ Jesus. That's a kingdom word. Grace is so that we can reign in life. This is, uh, then, then, you know, the book of Revelation gets a hold of that and says that we are kings and priests unto our God and we shall reign on the earth. That's not when we get to heaven somewhere. That's reigning in the earth. So to me, I believe the church became ineffective. When we started teaching an escape mentality, Everybody packed their bags and sat back and said, well, it's just destined to get worse and worse and worse. Let me say to you, it was destined to wax worse during that period of time when Jesus talked to that generation. And there was increased lawlessness and there was increased iniquity that came upon that generation. But I don't believe it has to be in our day, especially if we preach the gospel of the kingdom. It'll change the way people think. And, you know, if we've seen such an advance, listen, there are more people on the earth today per capita than there's ever been that are believers. There are miracles taking place around the world. With, with just what TBN is doing with television, there are more people giving their hearts to Jesus on a moment-by-moment -moment basis than any other time in human history. We are on the advance. But if we could really get a dominion-type understanding and really realize that we're here for the duration, not just to uh, endure something until uh, you know it gets worse and worse, but to see the kingdom of God progress until it covers the whole earth and fulfills uh, the prophetic word of the scripture that says, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's our mandate. That's the command of Jesus. Go into all the world, ease the suffering of the human condition, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. In other words, demonstrate the kingdom everywhere you go. And, uh, you know, I believe that's part of the paradigm. Now, let me, I need to get in here real quick because we're going to run out of time if I don't. But the, the souls that were under the altar, to me, speak of the blood of these ones who have been uh, the martyrs throughout, you know, from the time that Jesus said, are going to deliver you up to be killed. Many of the apostles, except for the apostle John, were, were uh, you know, some of them crucified upside down, others beaten. They were, and so they're under this altar and, they're, and they're, their prayer is, 
their, their, their prayer is, uh, Lord, how long till thou dost avenge the blood of all that were slain of the earth? Hallelujah. You know, let me just read from my notes just for a moment. It's, it, it's one of the things that he points out is that their, their blood, they're crying out from under the altar. So that, that would say to me that their blood was spilled around the altar. Therefore, it is highly possible that the priests of Jerusalem are the ones who spilt the blood and the officers of the covenant had slain the righteous as Jesus and the apostles testified at Jerusalem uh, that they were the ones that murdered the prophets and killed them that were sent to them. Let me, let me read this to you uh, very quickly from Matthew chapter number 23 in verse number 34. It says this, it says, uh, well, he starts out, says, uh, you know, uh, Verse 30 of this Matthew 23 verse, and say, if you had, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore, you are witnesses unto yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. In other words, fill the cup of wrath. It's almost completely filled up. So fill it up. So they're filling it up by what they're killing. You serpents, he said, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you, watch this, and upon you, that generation, that group of people, may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Berechias, whom you slew between the temple and the Verily I say to you, all these things shall come upon this generation. That's as clear as I can make it. And he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that killed the prophets and stunned them which are sent to you, how often I would have gathered you together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under his wings, but you would not. Therefore, behold, your, left is your house is left to you desolate. So these people were the ones that were the ones who were killing these slain. And for uh, this period of time, he's saying, how long? How long? And let me tell you that, that from 30 A.D., well, even before that, but, but really from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D., there's a 40-year gap of time of great martyrs when they're saying, how long, Lord, till thou dost avenge the blood of uh, thy servants, and uh, how long until you do this? But Jesus told them it would happen before that generation would pass away. And um, uh, let me just read again from my notes. I, it, it says, I put in my notes, you might also connect this with Genesis 4, verse 10, where, where the blood of Abel was crying out from the ground near the altar like Cain. The older brothers of the old covenant envied and murdered their righteous younger brothers of the new covenant. Can you see that? It was, the, it was the religious leaders of that day that were killing those that were accepting a righteousness by faith rather than a righteousness based on their performance. And so uh, it says, uh, and, and the saints prayed that Christ's prophecy of the days of vengeance will be fulfilled as prophesied in Luke. Let me get this for you. Luke chapter number 21 in verse number 22, it says this. It says, For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written 
may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are without in them that give suck in those days, for thou shalt be distressed upon the land and wrath upon this people. For they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and they shall be led away captive into all nations. Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now let me tell you that the times of the Gentiles is in Revelation, the 11th chapter, where he says that the Gentiles will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. That's the three and a half years or the 42 months that Daniel prophesied would come between 66 and 70 AD. That was the times of the Gentiles when those that had been uh, persecuted and those who had been uh, the ones who'd killed the, the prophets and stoned them that were sent to them and all of these things you see in Matthew 23 that the days of vengeance and the wrath of the Lamb was now come upon them in that period of time. I trust you can see that. And then it goes on to say, uh, it says, uh, uh, for this is John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through 12. For this is the message that you heard from the, the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew him, because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. So he's talking about here uh, that we should not be like Cain, who hated his brother and murdered him. So the older brothers of the old covenant uh, murdered the younger brothers of the new covenant because one was accepted as righteous on the basis of, uh, uh, you know, uh, that he came by the blood and another by the, the works of the flesh or by the sweat labor of what the ground could produce. Uh, but 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 14 says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they please not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always, for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. That's the fulfillment of what I read to you in Matthew 23, that he said, fill up then the measure of the cup of this wrath. And so they were still, Paul was talking about the fulfillment of that, for they forbid us to speak to the, uh, the Gentiles to fill up their sins, for upon them is come upon them the wrath to the uttermost. See, wrath is not in the future. The only reason there's wrath again to these people is because they refuse the blood of the new covenant, and God is still in a old covenant agreement with him to keep his end of the covenant bargain, which he fulfilled in 70 AD. Here's another text of wrath in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 6 through 10. It said, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was true. Now what he's saying is that this is the fulfillment of that it's a righteous thing with God. He's talking to them who have been persecuted, who have been killed, who are losing loved ones in martyrdom. He said it's a righteous thing with God to recompense trouble to you. When the Lord Jesus is revealed, I submit to you that that again took place in 70 AD and that there came a flaming fire, destroyed the city, Jerusalem is burnt to the ground, and God took vengeance upon them in fulfillment of the uh, scripture that I just read to you out of Th Thessalonians that said that uh, these be the days, 
I'm sorry, out of the book of St. Luke that said, these be the days of the vengeance of our God. The days of vengeance is not in our future. They are in our past. And then finally, uh, here's a scripture that uh, they were asking, how long, Lord, till thou dost avenge us? In chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, Verse 9 through 17, he says, After this I beheld, lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all the nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and under the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power might be unto our God forever and ever. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence came they? Now remember, these folks were praying in, uh, under the altar and <coughs> saying, How long, Lord, till thou dost avenge us? And they were given white robes and told to rest for a little season until everybody that should be killed of their brethren would be killed. And here we see in Revelation chapter 11 that, that, that the day had finally come just very shortly after that. And they said, Sir, thou knowest. He said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sits on the throne shall dwell among them, and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat, for the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. These folks, just like the martyrs under the fifth seal, are the ones who have come through the great tribulation which occurred during these biblical last days leading up to 70 AD. This great tribulation, this period of tribulation really, uh, really intensified from 66 AD to 70 AD, but they were under great persecution and tribulation for probably almost 40 years coming through that kind of suffering. And so these are the ones that have been under the altar and they're saying, how long? I submit to you that the judgment that was to come upon them came upon the ones that Jesus prophesied in Matthew 23, that all these things shall happen to this generation. Man, that ought to be good news to somebody, is that this stuff is not out in your future. It is in your past, and you don't have to look forward to uh, these same kinds of things because as people of God, listen, we live in a much better day than we used to. And while we still suffer persecution, it's certainly nothing like these men and women of God went through. But I tell you what, if you don't wake up, we may end up with some of the same kind of persecution because once again, people are becoming very anti-church and anti-God. We're just about out of time. Help us to wake the world up with this gospel. If you believe in what we're doing, don't let somebody else do it. Get behind us. Send the gift that the Lord has laid on your heart to do and to help us take the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of His grace around the world. It is the church that is the answer, and we're going to continue to do this as long as God's people enable us to through their financial gifts and their prayer and their support. Tell your friends about us. Uh, if they can't get the church channel, tell them to watch us on YouTube or download the TV app to their smartphone or whatever. You can get that and watch all 10 of TBN's channels. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ. 